should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome. Welcome. Happy Tuesday. It's Tuesday, August 23rd, and I'm really happy to be in studio and I'm really happy that it's Tuesday because on Tuesdays, John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. Hi, John. Hi, Michelle. Good to see you again. Yeah. I'm sorry about last week, and I'm sorry to our listeners that, you know, it's just not been a consistent schedule um, since I think 2016 has just been a very challenging and difficult year. And I don't I don't think that that's just me personally. I think I think for everyone. I think inconsistency is the new consistency. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Speaking of challenges and uh, the fact that you are in the world of politics, just a reminder, John Zipper of Commonwealth Club hosts his program. It's a week-to-week political roundtable talk, and it airs here on the Michelle Miao Show, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Fridays. Um, I wanted to to ask you, what the heck is going on, or I was going to use the word down, Uh, with this presidential, you know, election year, um, it just seems so bizarre. Well, Donald Trump seems bizarre. I have so many conversations with people where it starts off with them or very soon in the, somewhere in it, they say, it is so crazy. It is. They've never seen anything so wacky, you know, where you, you, you have so many people who are just wondering, I mean, Republicans and Democrats and otherwise, who are just wondering, is Donald Trump, you know, is he just leading us along? Is this a joke? Right. It's just a big thing to launch his cable channel, which is one theory that's out there. Um, and then you have, you know, Hillary Clinton now dealing with more email stuff and, and some ridiculous claims about her health. And, uh, you know, it's it's a wild and, and, and it's, it's going to stay this way through November. I mean, this is. I mean, at this point, Hillary Clinton's campaign, I don't even think needs to use anything Donald says against him. I mean, it, it's it's like out there before the campaign can actually do something with it. Right. I, I forget which late night host it was uh, who said that when they debate, she should just begin by saying, hi, I'm Hillary Clinton. Then she should turn off her microphone and just like start eating chips or something and just let him talk, mm-hmm. you know, and she'll mm-hmm. win by, land, by easily. Well, a lot of stuff that is ha- has been happening outside of the election um, there's been major focus on the Olympics, obviously. I've heard of that. Uh, not so much of the gold medals that we're bringing home, but the scandal and that, you know, United States swimmer. Um, oh, yeah. Four swimmers basically go over there and act like, you know, Stanford frat boys. How do you pronounce his name? Is it Ryan Locht or Lochte? I think it's, it's Lochte. Or Lochte. <laughs> let's, let's give him a note. Let's rename him. Ryan Lusht. Yeah. I, his behavior, though, obviously sparked outrage, uh, I think globally, but here in the United States, it sparked outrage and became a topic of race. 
And, you know, for a gentleman, or I, I keep calling people gentlemen and, and, and That's they are nice not. nice of you, but it's undeserved. I know. This, this dude, this douchebag, there we go, <laughs> <laughs> goes over to Brazil and, uh, you know, gets tossed after not winning a medal <laughs> and and comes up with this complete lie that he was held at gunpoint um and you know and and, and robbed obviously then you, that plays in people's perceptions about what brazil is all about and the people of brazil but not only that you know it comes out that he he tells this lie and he people are so quick to forgive him why is that Oh, I haven't seen anyone forgive him. Well, the way that the story spun, it was like, you know, now he's talking about going to rehab. I'm sorry. I don't I, I don't care if he goes to rehab. <laughs> Good, yes. I mean, that, that's part of my problem with, well, the celebrity culture, if you will. It's this whole idea that somehow we are all involved in whatever they're going through. No, we should just be mad that yeah. he made us go through this much with him. But, you know, uh, yeah. He, he, he got drunk. He You know, he was a privileged but what I'm saying yeah. is, I mean, had it been someone else who wasn't, you know, uh, someone of privilege, someone white, someone uh, who's won medals in the first place, that person would probably have, uh, you know, a much more, I think, tougher response from the United States and the media world, as well as probably some real serious consequences. See, I don't, yeah, I, I have yet to read anyone saying or hear anyone saying anything nice about him or yeah. what he, I mean, basically what you called him is what. I think that he yeah. should, he should, uh, there needs to be some restitution for the damages that he's done to the country of Brazil. Well, and also. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Th- that area is a crime. <laughs> it's a crime scene 24 seven. I mean, when the head of security for the stadium is robbed at gunpoint outside the stadium, um, there, there's that, sorry, that's not a racial comment to point out that Brazil has serious problems with crime. Brazil will tell you Brazil has serious problems with crime. What you're you're eager to get in, so I'll, I'll just no no wrap no no. I, I think I think that this is a great discussion that we can continue um, in our our wrap up. But it 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 is. Uh, I think I think what we need to do is jump into the show oh, since it touches show. yeah it touches on it touches on race and policies sure. and treatment of those and uh, you know and how a deeper discussion about racism. Um, cause that's where I think the Ryan Lochte situation on the surface, it may not feel that way, but underlying the, you know, his lying, his, his situation, this is a great example of how white privileged young men get away with things much more easy than, if, than someone if, of if color. If this were the Olympics taking place in Los Angeles and he were, um, uh, an African American swimmer from let's say Minnesota or something like that. And this all came out. Yes, the media portrayal of him yeah. would be savage. Exactly. Whereas so. the media portrayal of him now is he's a jerk. And you're right. That Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's just a jerk, but um but I I think we should introduce our next guests and talk to to Jasmine about what happened to them in this situation in Pasadena and it is much more serious and the consequences implication of 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 Jasmine's situation are 
definite, you know, outrage, um, but should be used as an example of how racism works here in this country. So let's get today's program started. Today's show is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. So I mentioned our special guest on the phone is Jasmine Richards, who's with Black Lives Matter and uh, has started the Black Lives Matter organization in Pasadena. And there was an incident um, in in that uh, I think we'll get a, a clearer or a clarification from Jasmine in terms of what actually happens because uh, or happen because it, it's, it's a little unclear to me. And I'm still not processing or understanding how Jasmine was charged with felony of lynching Um you know, when you think about lynching, it sounds extremely serious, but by the description of the actions that the media had actually said what Jasmine did, it I, I just could not see the connection. So let's bring Jasmine on to the show. Jasmine, thanks so much for being here with us. Um, thank you for having me. First off, um, I just want to let you know my name is Jasmine Abdullah. I changed my name. So, um, yeah, I go by Jasmine Abdullah now, but uh, I appreciate you for having me. How's your day going? It's going good. It's kicking off. It's, it's first thing in the morning. It's, I'm still drinking my coffee. Uh, I apologize for that. Jasmine Abdullah. All right, Jasmine. So we read about the situation of, uh, you know, that you were convicted of felony lynching and actually had to serve, um, uh, you know, that, that uh, had to serve time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What, what happened that led to that conviction? It's really unclear, and I, I just don't see how they could have charged you with this, uh, you know, outrageous law, this policy. Well, um, first, I just want to say that um, what lynching stems from, the um, time lynching and what, it, um, what the law was intentionally for was to um, protect white folks as they grabbed well, what lynching was was grab a black person from police's custody to take him in order to lynch him. So that law was actually created to help us. So what I was doing was trying to help another black person, and then I got charged with trying to help my own people. Um, what happened that day was actually a peace walk. It wasn't even a, a walk towards uh, state. I mean, it wasn't a walk towards police violence just in itself. It was a, a fight against state face mm-hmm. violence. Ja- ja- Jasmine, I'm so, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. It's just because I think this is so important. Um, we're we're hearing an echo on on your side. Are you on speakerphone or? Yes, I was on speakerphone. No, it's okay. Yeah, if you could turn off the speakerphone, and okay, uh, I got you. Awesome, awesome. Okay, cool. Sorry to say, but let's start all over. What exactly no happened? What is lynching right, in Pasadena? Well, the, the term lynching stems from when a white person is trying to take a black person out of police's custody in order to lynch them. Um, and this law is actually intended to help black people. Um, but what I did was help a black person, and I was charged with felony lynching. Um, this all stems from a peace walk that was done and, um, in my hometown, Pasadena, at a very problematic park, La Pinteresca. It's a lot of gang violence there. It's, just, it's where I grew up at. And um, we were, uh, this peace walk was intended for anybody who was killed due to any type of state sanction violence at the hand of another person. And so as we marched, it was predominantly children with me um, from the ages of 10 through, I think, about 18. And um, we, we walked around my neighborhood. I've listed the voices of those that have been slain. And my brother was actually one of those voices that, I mean, one of those people who have been killed. So this peace walk was dear to my heart. Once we concluded our peace walk, um, there was a young girl named Benita Esco who was actually, she looked as if she was beaten up. 
And so what I did was I went, and there was police surrounding her. So I went across the street and I asked the police, hey, um, I asked the young girl first, how are you doing? Are you okay? She said, no, I just been beat up by a store owner and I want my phone back. And as she tried to get her phone back, um, I just heard the police officer say, hey, um, if you want your phone back, get into this car. So I asked, are you are she under arrest? They said, no. I said, would you like to go with them? She said, no. I said, come with me. And um, as she walked with me, they were, they, they were angry. And so what stemmed from that is um, arrest. They arrested a 10-year-old boy. Um, I can't say his name, but they were, he's part of Black Lives Matter Pasadena. Then uh, a week later, they arrested me inside of the same park that I organized and uh, do homework with children. Um, during my um, um, conviction, when they, when they were giving me my time, um, the prosecutor made a specific um, ask that I be restricted from going to this park. Um, and I asked why. Why would you want me to stay away from a park? And the reason why is because I uplift my community. Predominantly, everyone in that community is, uh, well, has been affected due to safe states of violence. Either their mom is not in the home, their father is not in the home, or it's gang violence. And uh, the, the, all the police do is they oppress that one little section of Northwest Pasadena. So I made it my duty to uh, liberate us. And by liberate, um, at that same park, I do community programs. Uh, I do um, community workshops, homework at, at the park with children. I inspire the kids to go to school. I actually pay them. And um, we're doing great things at that park. And what the government did was they they seen that, and they don't want that. They don't want the black and brown community to unite. So that's, I, that's all I can really say about my case verbatim because I'm going through the appeal process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so so you were actually sentenced to 90 days of jail and three years of probation. Um, yes. And so you're at the status now of, of appealing that, or have you actually started to serve that time, or what's happened? What Bring us um, up to I date. served my time. Actually, I already served my time, mm-hmm. and I was released. Um, I was facing four years. Wow. Um, the reason why I did not receive that four years is because in about three days, we received 87,000 signatures. And by the time we um, turned those signatures in, I think there was 114,000. So this meant people power. So what they had to do was reduce the sentence down to 90 days. The district attorney, she actually was pushing for the full 90 days. But um, yeah, they gave me a few times, a few days time served. I think total I spent about 22, 26 days in jail. Um, and this only happened because of people power. People all over the world were signing a petition. Um, now I'm a felon. I've never received a felony a day in my life. My mom uh, always prided herself on her children not having felonies because she knows how hard it is in, in this society to thrive with a felony. Right. And so um, I've actually tried to get a job already. I've been affected by this felony, and um, it has ruined my life. But what it won't do is it won't stop me. What they intended this to do was to keep me down from my activism, mm-hmm. to not organize the communities that really need the organizing. And so what they did was spark something within me. But now I am a felon, unfortunately, and I just want to uplift that. Um, I used to work for Equality California, which is an LGBTQ lobbying organization. Um, when I received my first seven charges um, <clears throat> from uh, action that stemmed in uh, Old Town Pasadena for the murder of Kendrick McDade, a young 19-year-old college student that was murdered in Pasadena, um, my boss found out about this, these charges. And they said, you're suspended due to criminal investigation. 
Um, so they let me go. I could not receive any type of unemployment. I had filled out the unemployment. It just so happened the government let me have it. But they didn't want to give me unemployment. Mm -hmm. And so um, Equality California. Uh, um, yeah. Oh man, this is this is so important to to know and discuss. I, uh, Jasmine, I'm going to take a quick break right here. When we come okay. back, I want to continue that discussion. I really did want to get into the LGBTQ okay. community and what support you've received. Um, so stay with us. Don't go away. Okay. Okay. Cool. The Michelle Miao Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Tuesday. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is in studio. And on the phone is our special guest, Jasmine Abdullah, who is charged with felony lynching in Pasadena for, uh, if you're listening in the first half of the show, it sounds like simply organizing a, a protest. And um, Jasmine, right before the break, you had mentioned that you had worked for an LGBT organization, Equality California a very well-known LGBTQ organization here in California. Jasmine, you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, Yes, And and, and, uh, in that they had suspended you initially for uh, an investigation for, I guess, criminal activity and then eventually let you go without being able to apply for unemployment. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I, I, I mean, in, in terms of their final conclusion of this said investigation, 
the only criminal activity that they can get you on was the fact that you were convicted of this quote unquote lynching, this 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 policy that was meant to protect black citizens in the first place that was leveled against you. Right? Yes. I mean actually when I while working at Equality California, I hadn't even received that lynching charge yet. It was uh, these charges are like uh, terrorist threats, criminal threats, which all of those charges I have been exonerated for. They haven't even pressed charges. They dropped every last one of them ever since this lynching charge. I had 11 different charges, three separate cases, 11 different charges. When I worked for Equality California, I had seven of those 11 charges. Equality California, um, they were they were all misdemeanor offenses, and. Um, they laid me off. Well, they suspended me. I never even received a call or a word, anything back that told me, hey, you could come back. And, and I know that I, I was a fundraiser for the Los Angeles West Hollywood office, and I raised a lot of money, and it, it, it was dear to my heart. This is dear to my heart, my, both of my communities, the LGBTQ community, because I am a lesbian, and um, the black community, you know what I mean? Because I'm black first and foremost. And I helped bring in Proposition 8. And for them to do me like that and not help my community as well would really hurt that I don't see the LGBTQ community standing up for the black trans community, for the black lesbian community, for black people in general. It's like once we got our rights with the marriage, everything else is over. But we have to remember who actually helped get those rights. It was Mexicans and Latinos and blacks talking to their parents, talking to their people in order to vote. I know I changed my mother's mind to vote mm -hmm. for um, gay marriage. And she, at first, she was a true Christian, so she wouldn't at all. So we were changing hearts and minds. And so that's what I thought my job was. But Equality California, they dismissed me. And so I just want to reach out to the LGBT community right now and say, hey, um, we are, I am lesbian, I identify as black, lesbian, queer, okay? And I need you guys' help. This fight is hard. It's already hard being a black woman, but being a black lesbian woman, everything is against me. So we need the LGBTQ community to stand up. Stand up with us in this fight, because we stood up with you in your fight. Now, we have, of course, listeners from across the country Give us a sense of what, um, did you grow up in Pasadena? Is that where you've lived all your life? Yes, I grew up in Pasadena. I've lived there all my life. So, so I was about uh, well, six years old. I went to junior high, elementary to high school. Um, majority of these police there, I know their first and last names. I grew up with them. They grew up, um, while growing up, I watched them oppress and suppress all of my friends. Majority of my friends and family members are dead, are in jail. I've watched Pasadena. I watched the resources be snatched out of Pasadena. Um, as a kid, there was ample things to do. There was a Boys and Girls Club that was free. There was a park programs, recreation programs that was free during the summertime. The pool didn't cost any money to go to. I think it cost a quarter. Um, but now, all of those programs have been sucked out, and the programs that have been implemented are all police programs. And what they want to do is put our children on gang files. With gang foul comes gang enhancement charges, which one charge will get a, a person on gang foul 10 years. So I've watched my community transition. I've watched the life be sucked out of it without putting any resources or love back into it. And so this is what I'm dealing with there. Um, Pasadena is a very segregated community. Northwest Pasadena is all black people. It's probably black and Latino, excuse me. And the area is probably 
two-mile radius and a rectangle, okay? Mm-hmm. And in that two-mile radius and one wet rectangle, um, there's the most liquor stores on every corner. But if you go outside of uh, Northwest, there's no liquor stores, really. There's, I think there's one. Um, there's no uh, uh, McDonald's. There's no GMO. There's a Pavilions and a Gelson's. Um, you know what I mean? There's a Whole Foods. There's a farmer's market. Once you go below Orange Grove, it's an old town. Mm-hmm. But once we go below Orange Grove, it's an old town. We become an occupied territory. They look at us as if we don't belong. The police circle around in that two-mile radius in the square all day. They come into our parks, and they make our children leave the parks as the police come into the parks. Now, our police receive, I think, $87 million in Pasadena, and the school, and the, excuse me, and the parks only receive $9 million. And of those $9 million, there's $5 million that go to park police specifically, which are supposed to be the police that are inside the park because they don't have weapons. And they could give tickets and things like that, but they're not. It's the, the police with the guns. You know, so I, I grew up in, I grew up in this area, and this is what I've seen all my life. Sure. When it, when I was looking at a video, uh, someone posted online about this incident that led to your arrest. Um, I didn't see. I mean, of all the police officers in the photo, I didn't see any African American officers. I mean, is that the situation when you you talk about all these officers you've known? Is it overwhelmingly white, or or at least non African American? Uh-huh. Well, it's predominantly Latino (laughs) and white. Um, But we know that in a system that people play the race to whiteness, right? And so they treat the black folks at the bottom. It doesn't matter what the Chinese folks, Asian folks, white, Latino. And what they're doing is upholding white supremacy. And what Pasadena has been founded on is white supremacy. And so our police chief's name is Sante, Police Chief Sante. But he was already involved in five officer-involved shootings himself in Burbank when he was just a regular officer. So it's, it's, it's the way they're hiring the officers as well as they don't receive psychiatric evaluation. These folks are crazy as hell. Excuse me, sorry, radio. These folks are crazy, and they need help. And I feel like there should be a yearly psychiatric evaluation done, but not done by... Um, someone that the police choose. It should be done by a third party, done by a community police oversight board that chooses that the, the, the person that has the credentials to assess what we need and how we need an officer to go out into these communities. I feel that we need officers as well to do um, community service for a year in the community that they're going to police. Because what you see is a lot of these officers who are not from these communities, and what they're doing is they're scared. They're scared. They've been conditioned to feel and think that these young black boys, because that's all they are, boys. They're 60-year-old boys who look like 25-year-old men. They've been conditioned to be scared of them. And so when they naturally run from you or move fast or twitch, you're conditioned to be scared. So you take out your gun. Jasmine, I want to ask you a a question. You know, you, I think, I believe, are the first African-American person to be convicted of this felony lynching law. Um, What do you think this means for the rest of Black Lives Matter, and not just Black Lives Matter, but anybody who's going to stand up to wrongdoing, injustice, or the system? Um, What do you you think? Um, I think 
Well, what I know is that this is actually calling out the system. What they did to me is showing folks that, man, just for speaking out against them, they'll charge you with a felonious charge. But what I think it has done was empower people and had people charged to look through the fine print. Look at the fine print. See that the, the system is doing something shady once folks decide to stand up. But I also think it has empowered folks a lot. I think that this charge that they have done on um, this lynching charge has done nothing in my community but work to empower folks. So I don't like to harbor on, on, on the negative. I like to see the positive out of it. And the positive is that it has um, charged up the lumpen, which is what the Black Panthers used to say about the folks who are called the undesirable, like the gang members, the prostitutes, the, the folks that people deem undesirable in this, in this society. It's waking those folks up to wonder, hey, what's going on? Why don't I have the same necessities as this person here? Our resources available, you know? Yeah. Uh, are there any elected officials um, in, in the area who have spoken out in support of you? Um, or uh, are they all supporting the police or remaining quiet? Um, they're remaining quiet as well as, no, actually they're not remaining quiet. They're supporting the police. Pasadena is a city that will uphold its racism. Actually, when folks came down there to voice that they were signing petitions, uh, when they came down to a city council meeting to say that they were signing petitions and how they should drop the charges, um, Michelle Bagneris, which is our city attorney, as well as like our mayor, said that no political pressure will make us drop these charges. So they like to uphold their, their stance on um, silencing black voices. Hmm. I got one more uh, last question for you, Jasmine. And I mean, we could talk about this all day. I think your situation is unique in that it, this is a, a great example of how the system can be used against you for speaking up. Um, and also, I think it that it's a I think it's a warning. I, I mean, I, I like that you I love that you stay in the positive that it did spark national outrage and empowerment of our community of people who support you. But at the same time, we need to be sending a message out there that's very clear that this is a prime example of how racism exists and it's so deep-rooted in our country. Um, my last question to you is about Equality California because I think this is very important to note in terms of where we are at with the equal rights movement and the LGBTQ community and what people need to understand of how we can support um, the most marginalized and vulnerable of our community as we stand in the various different intersections of issues and cultural differences that impact us. And that question is, what are you going to do about Equality California? Because I think that it is, it, it, it's injustice to, if they're going to let you go because it is policy of theirs, anybody convicted of a crime, they've got to let go. They should be able to give you the option then to, uh, I think, apply for unemployment. I, I, I'm not understanding why it was such a, such a harsh let go uh, to the point where, you know, you are not eligible to apply for unemployment. What are you going to do about Equality California? Man, um, actually, I'm not even sure I'm going to do about them. This is actually a ghost that I put in the closet. But once I was, um, I wasn't even convicted of those charges. I was actually um, discharged. And within three days later, they suspended me without pay. So I just want to reach out to those folks and let them know that what they did was unjust. What they did was not right, and um, you you singularly undermined everything that you say to folks in the street. 
you did not look out for a black lesbian woman, you know what I mean, who advocated mm-hmm. for all of our rights. And I just want to ask the LGBTQ community that if we can do anything right now, we need to uplift the black trans community. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. The black trans community. You're absolutely right. I'm I'm very disappointed in, in Equality California, given that I have donated my money to the organization, and I have also had Rick Zaber here on the show, who's the current executive director, by the way, who prematurely endorsed Hillary Clinton before she even um, announced that she was going to run, but that's a separate conversation to have. The last thing I want to say is that this is a great example of how the LGBTQ community and members who stand in leadership roles do not exactly understand why some of us are, are susceptible to situations like this and how whatever it is that your policy, you really have to step outside of that and see the human side. And when, when you're targeted, when you're profiled, when you're harassed and you're, you know, charged with these, uh, you know, egregious, quote unquote, crimes. Um, and, and then once you're in the system, you come out as a felon. It, it, it's like a cyclical thing. And the sad part is that progressive gay liberals have paid for research that suggests double digit percentage of people of color who are queer are absolutely targeted for this repetitious cycle. I'm so disappointed. I thank you so much, Jasmine, for being on this program and for sharing thank your you story. Man. And it's funny you say Rick Zerberg, because that's actually who sat at the table and suspended me. So there was Rick Zerberg sitting oh, across from me who did that. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm just full of disappointment. Hmm. Yeah. I think there's an email that needs to be written. <laughs> <laughs> to express yes, my concerns. Uh, Jasmine, thank you again. Good luck with everything. Uh, despite, you know, the conviction, um, I am on your side. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the solidarity. Don't go away when we return. Ironically, we're going to talk about being gay in the tech world, which could be, you know, just so different. Um, so we'll see how that conversation goes. Don't go away. The Michelle Meow Show continues right after this. Hi, I'm Chuck Spence. I'm the owner of the Maui Sunseeker LGBT Resort, and I'm also vice president of Maui Pride. It's not just the only LGBT resort in Maui, it's the only LGBT resort in all of Hawaii, which is really kind of amazing. Maui Sunseeker actually started years and years before I even got involved. I came along as one of the owners a little bit later in, in life. I came to Maui back in 1978 and absolutely loved the island. I fell in love and I thought, this is where I want to live, this is where I want to be. And so from 1978 until 2008, I finally came alive with the dream and bought the Maui Sunseeker because I realized that this would be the next step in my life and um, thought that this would be an ideal situation because I could do something that, that was my own business rather than making money for other people. It's important to have a place where you know you can feel comfortable about yourself, you can feel loved, and you can feel welcomed by everybody. And I think that that's the ambiance that we try to create. And, and that's the message that, that we try to deliver in all of our ads and trying to bring people to Maui, is that you know we're not just an experience on Maui, we're an experience of Maui. When you think back years ago, how 
closeted we used to be. And you think about how suppressed we were back then to how open and accepting we are now. And, and it's, it's a good progression for society. It's good that people are, are not just you know, tolerating, but appreciating diversity. And that's the message, is that we really need to make sure that, that people appreciate diversity. I think that whoever you are, follow your passion. Follow what you believe in. Follow whether it leads you down the path of art or whether it leads you down a path of business or you know, some other aspect of internet creativity. Um, follow that and, and just be passionate about what you do. Spotlight on Success and Achievement is brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Tuesday, August 23rd. I'm Michelle Meow, your host, and John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us as well in studio. Thank you, John. Thank you, Michelle. Geez, I can't wait to debrief with you in our final segment of the show. Wow. Uh, if you missed it, the first half of the show, we discuss a situation with Jasmine Richards, who's a Black Lives Matter organizer from Pasadena, uh, and talked about her story uh, and how she uh, was convicted of felony lynchings. So you want to go back once I post the audio um, to listen to that. Our next guest is Graham Fell. He is the CEO of Prolify, and he identifies as an out gay tech CEO. Graham, welcome to the program. Good morning. Good afternoon. What is the time? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's morning for us, but when this airs, you're correct. It is. I don't uh, even know air. what day it is. Yes. So, Good uh, day. Hello. 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 Well, thank you so much for reaching out to me, and uh, I'm excited to to chat with you um, about you know what mm -hmm. it's like to be an out gay tech CEO. Um, mm -hmm. So, what is it like? I mean, you're, you're to a lot of us, anybody in tech is skipping around with like Benjamins flying from the sky or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, that's exactly how it is. No, I'm just kidding. So. Um, it, for me, it's quite normal now. Uh, it's something that uh, was quite difficult before. Uh, so I'd had various positions in high-tech companies um, over the years, um, of which some I, I uh, didn't discuss, uh, the fact that I was gay. Uh, I think if you went back 15 years, it was quite difficult to, you know, it was a taboo subject, and I think there's been massive uh, uh, changes uh, in that direction, which is really good. But I think there's still... Prejudices against um, out people in the high-tech space uh, today, I think we can see that. Uh, but there's been changes and there's been developments, so I think that's, that's a good thing. Uh, do you think it's different within the tech industry compared to other businesses, other industries? I, I don't really, I mean, I only know the high-tech space, mm -hmm. and I know it's quite, you know, male-dominated. And if you, go, if you look at the companies that we work with, they're old, well-established, big blue-chip companies, and I yeah. think they can be quite homophobic, as opposed to new startups that are quite dynamic and they're quite sort of forward-thinking. Um, so I think it, there's a mixture. I mean, I only know the high-tech space, and that's sure. my background. So sure. I, it's quite difficult. I can't really answer that one, but I, I can speak from a high-tech perspective. 
because that's all I know. Yeah. Well, let's stay with that. And um, let's go back to, you know, you coming out or did you ever have to come out to your peers? Um, What was that like? That was quite interesting, actually. Um, They kind of found out. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, I, I lied. I had a, a double life. So I had to invent girlfriends and things like that. And I just got so sick, sick and tired of it. But I think that, um, back in, we, we go rewind 15 years when I was at, uh, HP, for example, um, I would invent, um, girlfriends, um, and pretend that I had a girlfriend. And I think the reason I did that was kind of playing the game. Uh, to not be overlooked for promotion. In, and, and I think that, that that happened at the time. I think that if, if, if you were openly gay, I think you would be overlooked for, for promotion. Um, so that was quite difficult. And in the end, they found out, which was quite difficult. And I le- actually left on bad terms. Um, so that's, that's another story for another day. Um, but yeah, that, that, was, that was quite difficult. And I actually left the company when that uh, exploded. Uh, now, Prolify, am, am I pronouncing that correctly? Well, Qualify. Qualify. Yeah. Qualify. And yeah. what I was looking at it online. Is, is it a fr- French-based yeah. company? France-based company? We are, yeah. We're, so we're based in La Rochelle, uh, which is southwest France. Uh-huh. And we are a high-tech sales and marketing company that works with large vendors that have high-value uh, complex solutions. And we help them with their go-to-market strategy, with their sales enablement programs, with their training and development. And then we develop also mobile apps for small to medium-sized companies. So we work with big players. So the, the companies that I've just mentioned that um, I used to work for, they're sure. actually clients of ours now. And I assume like, you work internationally with, with, with companies. In we do. So, so we do. So yeah. Well, and that just gets to the question of, obviously, you know, we're talking differences between tech and non-tech. Are there differences in, you know, the, the, within the tech world in France as far as, you know, acceptance of, of gays and lesbians compared to so. others that you see? In what way? I think so. I, I think if we if we take France, which is an amazing country, and my, I live there, you know, that's that's my main base, and mm-hmm. my company hub is based in France. Um, that's kind kind of slightly behind the curve in terms of uh, embracing. Uh, they're quite you know, quite sort of yeah, they're not really forward thinking, so it's quite 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 challenging. I would say sometimes it could, it could be worse. You're trying to wear a burkini to a beach. <laughs> yeah. Um, couldn't quite define it like that, but yeah. I, uh, but um, I, I think if you look at London, which is really yeah. slightly more dynamic, and let's bear in mind where my company's based, it's not a, a major city, it's a small town, mm-hmm. um, because I like it there. And the irony is that I put the company there to, to not travel so much, and it, it was established last year, uh, and, the, and, and the complete irony in the story is that I'm traveling more than I ever did. Oh, yeah. Based on, you know, the clients that we've won and we've reopened back in London and we're operating in San Francisco and Denver, Colorado, where I am right now, which is called the Mile High City, uh, which I've just discovered why it's called that. And it's not because it's a mile high, actually because of various other reasons. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, and then we, we operate in San Francisco as well. Okay. So we're, we're slightly all over the place. Well, let me ask this also then in, a, in another angle. Is there a way that technology as an industry and, and tech leaders like yourself and, and your your peers can act as um, movers on the issue of LGBTQ uh, equality and acceptance? I mean, it, other than simply being who you are, the fact that you're being public, I think, is, is shows you, you do have an interest in, in having some sort of impact. 
Yeah, and I'm, 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 it's something that I'd like to look at in a bit more detail. It's not something I've really focused on, but I think uh, an area that we focus on is, is uh, green tech, so ecology, for example. So that's, that's something that we're quite heavily involved in. Um, so supporting uh, the environment while being, you know, ec- uh, friendly to the environment while starting up a, a high-tech company, not printing so much paper, and, you know, being conscious that there's other solutions to exploit, uh, exploiting technology rather than wasting so much, you know, mm. why print 60 pages of, uh, of a contract when you can, there's, there's a technology solution for it. So we're quite involved in that and then, you know, the whole sort of green tech movement as a whole. But I think the, the point that you mentioned is, is something that I'd like to look at as well because, you know, I'm quite openly. So, Grandma, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, to go ahead and dive into, you know, being gay in the in the tech industry. Yeah. But you yourself, you're you're a gay tech CEO, and compared to a lot of the tech CEOs, they're, I mean, they're, I think they're mainly white and straight, white and straight yeah. and, and male. Um, mm-hmm. So do you feel as if, you know, you've got to conform? It, like, it may not be a problem that you're gay, mm-hmm. but perhaps your demeanor, uh, how you act or how you speak, that mm-hmm. may need to conform in a way th- so that you are, I guess, communicating effectively with your peers. W- what do you think? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into a boardroom skipping wearing a pink dress. <laughs> um, well, depends on what I did the night before. Right. <laughs> I said it because you normally do that. <laughs> that. Absolutely. So I think in, to sort of, you do have to conform and you have to play the game, right? So I don't, uh, I don't go in and say, hello, I'm Graham Fell, I'm a CEO, I'm gay. Um, if they ask me, I'll, I'll answer them, but it's, not, it's just not on my, it, it's just not something I discuss. And, and, you know, in the corporate world, you have to have a, a, a business discussion and, it, and it's not, you know, you have to adjust to the environment in which you are. And that's, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Do you think it's hurt you at all with any business uh, possibility? No, no, I don't think so. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Not yet. Well, Let's we got... What happens after this, uh, after this show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got one last question for you before we let you go. So, Graham... Okay. Um, you know, kind of being in the position that you are, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure of it that you'll continue your successful path and even go on to create, you know, awesome, amazing products or opportunities, uh, especially for, you know, LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. What do you hope for? What do you think, you know, in terms of how tech can really shape our communities and empower for us to move forward, but like move forward together so that you won't even have to think about conforming in the future. I think, well, technology, as we know, is changing the world, the way that we interact with people on a daily basis. And I think that the state of the planet right now is in such a mess, not only from a sort of personal and relationship perspective, but also from a technology perspective. Uh, we're kind of in a mess right now on every level. So we see that in the high-tech industry, and we see that on a personal level as well. Uh, the world is in a mess. Um, companies are in a mess. It's like the world is imploding, and I think if we can, it's difficult to answer. But if you know, there's emerging technologies that can address how we interact with people um, and collaborate with people. Um, I think uh, it's just embracing that technology uh, the best way we can. Graham, thank you so much for being here with us on the program and sharing your thoughts and experiences as an out gay tech CEO. And, and uh, good luck to you and Prolify. 
Thank you very much. Have a good day. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. John Zipper and I debrief on the show and our final thoughts. So don't go away. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Tuesday, August 23rd. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us today in studio co-hosting. Hello, Michelle. Hello, everybody. You know, my partner, actually, on the day she was here and I was swiveling around trying to produce and host the show at the same time, said that we have great chemistry. Oh. <laughs> if only I were a gay man. <laughs> um, or you were a lesbian. Possible. Yeah. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Set your height, your, <laughs> your gaze to the sky. Yes, that's right. Uh, wow, what a show today. And, uh, you know, obviously the first half being incredibly serious, um, but but... Uh, a conversation that we absolutely need to have. We talked about Jasmine Abdullah, uh, who changed her name from Jasmine Richards. And I just wanted to point that out in case you wanted to Google Jasmine's story. But Jasmine's story is that Jasmine was formally convicted of felony lynching. Um, and and that had to do with Jasmine uh, talking to a woman who allegedly had not paid for her meal is what I ended up reading at a restaurant. And this is uh, during or after a protest that Jasmine had been at for Black Lives Matter. And so they applied the federal or the yeah, the, the felony lynching uh, law here in saying that Jasmine was uh, allegedly interfering with a peace officer and or arrests. And so 
what is lynching, by the way? Because the term in itself brings I, I, you back to it. Right. A, a I think very negative you hear time in our history. And most people think of, you know, a bunch of white people in robes and, uh, you know, a dead man hanging from a tree mm-hmm. because he dared to look at a black, a white woman or something. Um, the, the, as I understand, and, and as Jasmine pointed out really well, the law's intention is to protect against that because mm-hmm. so it's it actual the actual definition of lynching has to do with taking someone from the custody of police in other words from the the what the uh you know actual authority and mm-hmm. into vigilante uh retribution or whatever mm-hmm. um it does i mean you know what i think even if you disagreed with what Jasmine was trying to do you you you've got to say this sounds like massive overkill and it sounds right. like mass uh very questionable prosecution. It's very, it's overreaching. I, I mean, you know, from what I've read, I don't have, uh, and you may argue that I don't have all of the facts, but the woman that Jasmine was talking to, as she had described, um, uh, allegedly, like I, ha- I had said, did not pay for a meal at a restaurant. And the restaurant person allegedly um, beat her up and the police were called. And she just wanted her cell phone back. This, to me, is also a great example of criminalizing, you know, the poor. If anything, if allegedly this person did not pay for their meal, uh, a lot of it could be, uh, I mean, was it a $5,000 meal? Was it a $1,000 meal? Did this person try to skip on, you know, um, Nobu Malibu or something? (laughs) I mean, if it was uh, the most fifty hundred dollars, is it possible to ticket this person or find them um, to pay down? You know the the cost of the meal. Uh, I, and 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 so that that's the problem that I have with that. But as Jasmine said, Jasmine specifically asked if this person was under arrest, and the police responded with no, according to Jasmine. Right. So. If the person is not under arrest, I can't see that Jasmine would then be tampering right. with... Right, how would that affect the actual yeah. definition of lynching? I'd- yeah. And now, pointing to the Equality California suspension and uh, the fact that Jasmine had not even been convicted and they already started the process of letting her go, I have a problem with that, uh, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then, at the same time, if all of these progressive because the way that Equality California, you know, targets their demographic for funders and the way that they supposedly get behind certain policies and laws to get enacted here in California, they're they're more left wing or progressive um, pro LGBT. A lot of these organizations use the racial discrimination that is happening here in this country or the uh, so-called alliance with the Black Lives Matter movement only to their advantage at times. But when it comes down to a situation in which they have the opportunity to rise above, you know, these faulty laws that the black community have been talking about for the longest, they can't even do that. I'm going to go ahead and fire you, maybe because, I don't know, maybe Equality California does not want to risk their pristine, um, shiny uh, reputation with legislators and politicians, blah, blah, blah. 
Or I don't know what the reasons are. They could probably come back to me and be like, well, here's the report card on Jasmine's attendance record or poor fundraising skills or whatever, right? Or performance issues. What, what I still don't understand is how all of that ends up with her not being able to get unemployment. Because if she did have bad performance, but she was let go, in other words, she wasn't... I think if you're fired with cause, that might uh, just prevent you from getting in, uh Unemployment. I'm not sure on that. People mm-hmm. can check me. I'm not sure. Um, but it doesn't sound like she was fired. It sounds like, you know, we're letting you go. We're, we're re we're re uh, right. uh, imagining your position or whatever. Right. Um, it, it's unless they fight her getting unemployment, she should have gotten unemployment. Right. Now, unless she hadn't been there long enough. I don't know if, you know, I mean, that we don't know all of those details, but mm-hmm. I would say this is worth finding out because it does not at the moment sound good for Equality California. No, and and here's the thing, is also, this is a great example of criminalizing the poor. Again, I can't imagine Jasmine making a $250,000 a year, you know, salary for fundraising for Equality California. Yeah, I mean, let's tie this into our original conversation. Jasmine did not just lose her Ralph Lauren endorsement and her (laughs) Speedo contract. Right. You know? Right, exactly. He's going to have a few million dollars less. She lost her ability to earn anything and with a felony conviction, almost impossible to get another job. Right. So uh, to me, it's like if you're going to go as far as suspending somebody for the suspicion of criminal activity, blah, blah, blah. So they say and doing whatever investigation that they were doing. And also, by the way, during that time, she had not been officially convicted. Um, and then not to have that person be eligible for some type of support and care. Okay, I get it. You want this person out of your organization, but you've also, you know, have some compassion to be human to allow for this person to, to, to bridge that loss. And you're not even going to do that. Well, now that Jasmine's got a felony, she's absolutely correct. Uh, a, a felony on her record. You know, how the heck is she supposed to get any other job? So you keep... And and this is why it's such at an alarming rate that impacts LG. No, no, I should say specifically, you know, black trans people as well as black queer people, um, and people of color. And I and I include brown in that. And that was a report we had talked about before. Is you get them for all of these misdemeanor type crimes or these small crimes or these crimes that they're trying to, um, that uh, they're trying to survive. They're trying to live, and then the same. People who have been oppressed are continuing to oppress you. So I don't understand it when, you know, the black community speaks up, the black LGBTQ community speaks up, speaks up. And there's members of our community who are like, I just don't get it. I don't understand. Or the other side of it is they're the super radical liberal progressive who only go to Facebook to stand up for those people. Yeah. But do some crap like this. like. I have to follow standard procedure. <laughs> Am I, I guess I, you know, I've got full of thoughts right now. I've got a lot of crap going on in my personal <laughs> life. So I have some words. But, um, but yeah, to tie that into Ryan Lochte and uh, his stupidity, I mean, I think that the guy is, so you got some freaking shaming. Here, here's, yeah, here's a comment a white guy can make, a white middle-aged guy can make. A white middle-aged person can make all kinds of those little mistakes and they're forgiven. They're, you know, and by those mistakes, I'm saying if, if you'd gotten an argument with a police officer, it's not likely to end up with your death 
or your your felony conviction. Um, and I think it white folks should listen and and understand a little bit more exactly what you're getting to how all of those little things that wouldn't have caused them any problem can be life ending, can mm-hmm. be dream ending for someone who grows up poor and, and minority. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in today, Tuesday, August 23rd. John Zipper and I, John Zipper's show airs this Friday, his week-to-week roundtable of political talk. So make sure you tune in at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for everything else. You can head to michellemeow.com. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, here on the Progressive Voices Network.